Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Element City Church. We got folks checking in, kids here, but it's so glad to have you with us. So glad to have you joining us online as well. As I know some of you are, you text me, so I'm waving to you right now. Hello. Uh, glad to have you with us. Want to invite you to a couple different things. If you are new-ish to Element City Church, we'd love to invite you to download our free app. Uh, just go to your app store, type in Element City Church, and you'll get that. We travel light. We'll go everywhere with you, and you can access a lot of different information about that. If you are tuning in online, Carol is our online host tonight, so you can say hi to Carol. She'll say hi to you. If you need prayer tonight, she'd love to pray for you. And if you are new, we would love to have you fill out our connection card. So if you're online, it's the top right corner of the screen. If you're here in the house, we would love for you to kind of pull up our app, and you can download again for free. And the second tile down just says connection card. And that's a way for us to kind of get connected to you, hear about you a little bit, and for you to kind of start an exchange of conversation that we can get to know one another about over the next week or so. I hope you find some next steps around here. So fill out the connection card. That'll get us in touch with you. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in and being with you. We're going to talk a little bit more tonight about the marriage retreat coming up in August. You're going to hear a testimony from a couple that went uh, this last year. It's funny. You don't want to see it. Um, but tonight, uh, we want to pray for the church of the week. And we've been doing that every week now for the last year or so. And so we're going to pray for Victory Outreach City Church and Pastor Sal, who's there. And so as we get started here in a minute, as people are making their way in, would you join me in a word of prayer for them and for our time tonight? So Father, we pray for Victory Outreach City Church. As we lift up the Church of the Week, we thank you for the ministry that they are doing. We're asking that you would expand their reach and the impact and the resource that they have. God, would you continue to put your blessing over Pastor Sal and his team? Would you give them wisdom and discernment to be about kingdom work and give them influence in the city and the realm of the city that you've given them to influence? We pray your blessing over our time tonight as we lean into relationships, as we lean into worship. God, as we aim our attention in your direction tonight, I pray for each of us to have a moment with you. Uh, whether this is our first time tuning in or first time being here, or we've been with you for a long time and walking with you for a long time. We're just asking that your spirit will go to work and that your activity would be sensed and felt here. We ask and invite your presence to be a part of this. God, we worship you because you're awesome and we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand up with us? Here's to the one who taught the stars to shine. Here's to the one who graced the dead of night. Hold me from the dark, set my heart alive. Hey! Here's to the one who made my heart to sing. Open up my eyes, wash away my sin. Here's to the one who gave his life for mine. Broke all my chains and set me free All right to the way To the truth
much love as done Here's to the way you walked away my past Here's to the future and the things to come Here's to my Savior's everlasting love to the way
There's no wall you won't kick down. Tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, bouncing you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down.
Doubts, but it can all come to. 
to bear the weight of sin that was mine washing my river of wrongs into the sea of your infinite love with arms held high lord i
Father God, we come to you this evening. Lord, your presence is thick here with us. Your love is unbounding and unfailing. And Lord, we gather tonight to celebrate that truth. That you are on the move. You're on the move within us, on the move within this church. Father, I pray that we would stay faithful to that call. That we would begin to develop our lives in such a way to show a little bit more of who you are, your love, your glory, your splendor to each and every person that we come into contact with. Because your love, it never fails. It won't give up on us. No matter our story, no matter how it started or how we might see it end, your love is offered freely and never fails. May we take hold of that truth, Father, and may that truth begin to change us and change this place, change this world to look more like your kingdom each day, Lord. May we answer that call as faithful as our imperfect hands can, can take it. So we thank you for tonight, Father. I pray that you would be with, with Jack as he brings your words. Use them. Move within us. We love you. You are so worthy of all we have together. And we look forward to your movement tonight and in the days to come. We love you. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. It is good to worship together, to kind of aim our attention in God's direction. And whether you're here uh, in the room or watching from your living room, uh, thrilled to have you here again. We know every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. So if that happens to be you, uh, we just think it's a real gift that you are here and that you're tuning in and we'd love to connect with you and just want to celebrate you walking out that journey of faith to the one that we just sang about. And so uh, we've been in this series starting last week on Valentine's Day, The Three Laws of Love, and uh, we want to kind of continue to look into that. It is kind of a series that's geared at marriage or maybe a future marriage, uh, but it really has undertones and principles for every relationship that you have, whether it's friendships or relationships, uh, coworkers, and just connections that you have, because we've been created to be in and need relationship. And so uh, as we do start into this, I, I I do want to talk about and plug kind of our marriage retreat that we're doing with Emmanuel Baptist Church uh, this coming summer in August. And with that, uh, there's a couple people who are dear to my heart who got together and wrote this little, said, hey, this little testimony from uh, our time last year uh, that we got to go there. Amy and I will be speaking again there. We're excited to be. It's a lot of fun. And so here's, uh, well, I'm going to let you, they're going to introduce themselves. Here we go. Hi guys, 
we just practiced this. Go. Okay. Three, two, one. Hi, guys. This is Mark. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Sorry, Jack. Hey, guys. Mark and Margo here. We are here to talk to you about the marriage retreat coming up in August. We are so excited. It's in two back if you don't know. And if you haven't ever been there, first of all, the place is incredible. It is one of the most beautiful places probably that I have ever been. The accommodations, the rooms and everything, um, they will not disappoint. Yeah, all the restaurants around it. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, we practice this. I don't know what happened. Lights came on and she lost everything. But uh, <laughs> you guys, this is a, a great retreat. It's a, it's a chance for you guys to get to know Jack and Amy as well as, yes. as probably you've never get to see them before. Mm -hmm. They are so funny and they are so helpful in this whole thing in this walk and, and kind of you learn so much from them and then Amy will blow you away she is such a dynamic speaker and and it's very funny how she busts, busts Jack's chops all the time yeah it's great uh, and so not only are the teachings incredible but then in the evening times there's always an activity so with COVID I don't know what it's actually gonna look like but um, we've been for the last two years the first year when COVID wasn't a thing there was a dance and along with like games and and um, like a minute to win it game night which is so much fun so much fun but last year because of COVID we changed that up a little bit and had a different activity that was done so I don't know what it's gonna look like this year but they always go far above and beyond it is so much fun not only do you get to hang out with your spouse but you get to meet other couples and talk to them oh okay sorry sorry jack we're on a timeline i told her that as well <laughs> um so real quick uh we hope that you guys could be able to come out and and check it out i promise you it will uh, margo and i think we have an amazing marriage but we always learn something there and we are, there's great takeaways and it's an amazing time uh, we hope to see all of you guys there yes hope to see you guys there bye, bye, -bye. love you guys Three, two, one. Okay. Um, I, I, so the simple plug is uh, if you are married here or um, maybe you're getting married between now and August, uh, we would love to invite you to be a part of that marriage retreat. Uh, we actually sold out of rooms uh, between Emmanuel and Elements last weekend. And so uh, you can go to the app and it's a $50 deposit. Just kind of holds your spot and uh, the rest is due later on this spring type thing. It's $300 total to go that covers your accommodations for the weekend. Um, and uh, I promise you, you'll have a fun time. I mean, you get to hang around with them, so that'll be fun. Um, and yeah, I, I think it'll be a really cool thing. So if that's you, you're interested, if you just go to the app, you can actually sign up, do your deposit all through there. Uh, we want to let you know. We'll post that on Facebook later on tonight uh, for those of you watching at home. I uh, just encourage you to sign up. I think it'll be a great time together. The reality is, as we look at these three laws of love, uh, is, and it's not just for marriage. That's pivotal. Uh, but these really are for friendships and relationships because the reality is that you've been created for relationship. We looked at this last week. We talked about the law of priority, right? Uh, and the law of priority, we kind of coming out of these, this series geared at kind of two key verses in the scripture. Uh, the first record scratch moment in the Bible uh, happens in Genesis 2.18. There's the whole creation story and rhythm that's happening that God is creating and announcing this is good. God creates and announces this is good. There's this rhythm and all of a sudden, the, the kind of the record scratch moment of creation story happens in Genesis 2.18 where it says the very first time it's not good for man to be alone. 
I'll make a helper suitable for him. And in the Hebrew language, which is a very pictorial kind of language, it's this idea of gears that fit together, that, that you have been created, I have been created to need relationship. And marriage is certainly a part of that, but it's not just that. In fact, the reality is it's not good for any of us to be alone, and that's why the church is established, so that you can have brothers and sisters in the family of God. That's why that you, it's meant to be this reality that we all need relationships. Now, you may be an introvert and go, okay, I need like one, or maybe like I need two. Okay, good for you. Um, but for those of you who are extroverts, a few extroverts, they like to raise their hands. Anyone? Okay, the extroverts like to raise their hands. If I ask introverts, they'd be like, no, just move on. Um, okay, so, but you, you're created for relationship. That the, the truth of the matter is we need a relationship with God, vertical, but we've been created to need relationship one to another, horizontal, that community matters, and that's a focus here uh, for us at Elements. And so this reality of how love plays out affects every kind of relationship, and though this may be geared toward marriage context, the reality is these principles apply. So the law of priority of saying, hey, I've got to make relationships matter. Like, they, I've got to prove that in the ways that I do. I've got to decide that it's going to be a priority. I've got to prove that out. And we kind of looked at this last week, that what, uh, what, you, what you prioritize, you can then begin to maximize. And so when it comes to relationships, whether it's marriage or friendship or relationships, that you have to prioritize those. And tonight I want to look at this law of pursuit, and we get this from Genesis 2.24, the kind of the first time we hear uh, God kind of talk about marriage is per se. And this is what it says, a couple different translations just so we can kind of see it. Verse 24 of Genesis 2. Uh, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. Remember, we looked at leave, this idea of azab in Hebrew, this idea of, okay, it's no longer mom and dad is the highest priority. It's now my wife or my husband is the highest priority. That's the new kind of relationship in the front seat of driving my life. The man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Man leaves his father and mother, clings to his wife, one translation says. Another says a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. Here's the reality of it. In a Hebrew pictorial language, this idea of united or cling or cleave means this, to pursue with great energy and to cling to something zealously. Meaning, it's about this initiative that you need to take, this idea of pursuit, that when God said to man, you're to leave, to cleave, to be united to your wife, there was this idea of pursuit. You want to avoid atrophy in your marriage, in your friendships, and in your relationships. Anyone ever been in a cast before? There's only seven of us who have broken bones. So uh, if you've ever, so just the rest of you, stay healthy. Okay, so like, uh, but this idea of being in a cast. When I was in college, uh, I broke my wrist playing uh, beach volleyball because I'm that good. And uh, so I broke it right here. I had to wear a cast for like six to eight weeks, right? And being the college male that I was, I decided that the doctor, when he suggested strongly that I don't lift things with my cast hand, I, I thought he didn't go to school that long, really. Uh, and so I just decided to keep working as an intern and just doing things normal. Uh, but the reality is when they took the cast off and I realized my hand was like not still good, uh, they said, hey, well, have you been lifting? I was like, oh, no, it just jumped in my hand. Um, 
And they said, well, we're going to have to put this cast back on. And so it went for another eight weeks. Uh, with this. this is when I first started dating Amy. So, like, props to her for sticking around. Um, so just this idea of, you know, I had to work on that. When I got that cast off eventually, like, my wrist felt so weak compared to my right wrist. And it was this idea that I couldn't do a whole lot with. That's what atrophy is. The concept, the idea, if you've ever had to spend a long time in bed or so, for some of you, you're like, that's like a Netflix weekend. That's a, no, no, like, I'm talking like bedridden. Uh, you've been in that. This idea of, hey, atrophy means I'm not using my muscles the way they need to be. And they begin to kind of deteriorate a little bit. And the same is true when it comes to relationships. And you already know this to be true. There are some friends that you have that you can kind of pick up where you left off, so to speak, and you kind of just jump right back into it. But the reality is most of your friendships, that if you don't actually work on the friendship, it just has a way of deteriorating. Many of you are probably not best friends with all the friends you had in high school because you probably didn't work out. Here's the simple truth. Marriage only works when you work at it. Relationships only work when you work at it. Friendships work, fill in the blank, when you work at it. Like, that's the reality of it. And I know that seems simple, but it needs to be a reminder to us that what the scriptures are kind of pointing to is, hey, this law of pursuit, this idea of pursuing that relationship really is a big deal. And it's not just something simple, it's actually something profound. And if you, disagree, if you ignore that, then it's your relationship or your marriage or your friendships that begin to suffer. If, if you are married here in the room or at home, uh, think back to the very first time you went on a date with your spouse. Uh, my hunch is that you actually put work into that. That, gentlemen, you probably didn't show up right from work uh, or working out and just like pull up and you're like, hey, sweetheart, let's go you probably took a shower. Like, you probably worked at things. You, you probably concentrated on your enunciation. You probably concentrated on, okay, don't say that. You, it's just in your head, but like, don't say that out loud, okay? Like, so you probably worked at building this relationship, with, which reminds us that, okay, relationships have sparks to them, but it's not just all that, because relationships take work. It's not just emotions that drive that. And my hunch is, maybe down the line, as you got engaged or you dated longer and then you got married, uh, the natural tendency for all of us is to say, well, I arrived. Uh, I've got the prize. And maybe you stop working at the relationship as much or as interactively or as intentionally and we begin to coast. Anyone ever been in a conversation before where it's like five minutes of the conversation's going but you checked out three minutes ago and then they ask you a question and then you're like snapped back into reality and you're like, uh, were we still talking? Um, I mean, that's like weekly, uh, and I'm trying to work on that to be attentive and focused here in this moment and here and now, that it takes work. It involves a lot of work. Pursuing our relationship is about continual renewal in that relationship, continual renewal in that connection one to another. 
Uh, Revelation chapter two, Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, look, I have this against you. Your love has kind of deteriorated, so to speak, and your love and affirmation for Christ himself, and it's kind of dwindled, and I want you to return. And he begins to speak, and Jesus kind of has this three-step plan, and this is what he says. I want you to rekindle and renew this kind of love. He says, remember from where you have fallen. Repent, and then do the deeds you once did. That remember where it was. Remember where your marriage was, where your relationship, where your friendships were. Repent, meaning you gotta change course a little bit and then begin repeating the things that you did initially. That when I do marriage coaching or or counseling with folks, oftentimes you can begin to, to hear the narrative of how there was a lot of work at the beginning and then it just kind of drifted. And listen, no one ever drifts towards success in anything. It takes work. It takes effort, it takes energy to to pursue those things, whether it's a friendship or relationship or marriage. Marriages work when you work at it. Friendships work when you work at it. Pursuit is an intentional thing. It is never an accidental thing. Pursuit is an intentional thing. It's never just an accidental thing that just happens. And so what we're trying to do in this series is to become really practical to help real life, real relationships. And so I wanna spend the rest of the time unpacking two key ways that I think if we all practice them, your friendships will get to a healthier stage, uh, your relationships and connections will get to a deeper place, your marriages will get to a healthier place. And so how do you pursue and live out this law of pursuit? How do you pursue relationships? How do you work at that? There's probably dozens of ways, but I want to give you two tonight. The first one is this. Listen to learn. Listen to learn. Most of us are probably like me. Um, Well, just don't raise your hand, but do you like to win arguments? (laughs) Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Most of us are probably wired to like to win. Most of us don't like to lose. And so typically, when we're in a conversation with someone, uh, we, we listen enough to gather the information needed in order for me to respond in that moment. Or I listen enough to get and ascertain what I need in order to try to come back and then win the argument, or, or to win the debate, or, or to point to a better way, or you see it this way, but I see it this way, and actually, this is the best way to see it. I don't know if anyone else ever struggles with that. In my house, there's a certain gentleman who occasionally will find himself in that scenario. It's me. And what I'm learning is that I'm really quick to listen, but I'm not quite as quick to listen to learn. And there's a major difference. In fact, to actually be a person that listens to learn means I've got to hear beyond the words that are actually being said. I've got to hear the heart behind it. It's about aligning our hearing in a way. Think about the simple test. The next time you have a longer conversation with anyone, whether it's your spouse or a friend or anyone, just ask yourself as you walk away from that conversation, what percentage did I talk 
and what percentage did I listen in that conversation? My hunch is, much like myself, you will underestimate how much time you actually listened. And you may overestimate, uh, or maybe not even quite get it right, how much you actually talked. Uh, a writer for the TV show The Simpsons, Rob, says this, uh, listening is like doing squats. Listening is like reading a corporate report. Talking is like eating a Cinnabon. Anyone with me on the Cinnabon? Like, you'd rather do that. Talking is just easier at times. And that it actually takes real work to be active in our listening. To truly listen takes actual effort. Uh, there was a uh, a PhD project done at Stanford by Elizabeth Newton, uh, who worked on her PhD, and, and she did this experiment called Tappers and Listeners. Uh, Chip and Dane Heath mentioned this in their book, Made to Stick, and, uh, and it was a very simple exercise uh, at first pass when you look at it. There were groups of individuals, two groups, put into two different settings, and the first team was called the Tappers. They were the ones who were gonna tap things out, and then the other group was the listeners, for those of you playing along at home. So we, here we go. Uh, and so the tappers, they had a selection of like 25 songs that were pretty commonly known. Might be nursery rhymes, might be the Star Spangled Banner, Happy Birthday, simple, simple songs that most of us would know and be able to recall. And their job was to simply tap out the rhythm, to tap out the beat to the song, right? And the listener's job, guess what their job was? to listen, right, exactly. Their, their listener's job was to listen. Okay, there you go, okay, we got it, we're, we're tracking now. Uh, so the listener's job didn't seem quite that difficult, um, and of the 120 songs that they actually heard, so they did this 120 different times, they were tapped out in Newton's experiment, uh, do you think that they got it right uh, maybe over 50% of the time, anyone? Uh, do you think they got it right maybe over 25% of the time? Do you think they got it right like over 10% of the time? They actually got it right one time out of 40. So 2.5% of the time. The listeners actually heard what the tapper was trying to communicate. What was interesting is that the tappers, before they actually tapped this out, and they were asked, hey, how often do you think the person listening is gonna get this? And they were like, well, it's 50-50. They're gonna get it 50% of the time, of course. This is so easy. And then you realize the listener's job is actually maybe not that easy. Here, here's what you begin to understand if you just look at this. The tappers, happy birthday, and they're tapping out happy birthday, they've got the song going in their mind, right? Like they're singing it as they're tapping it. The listener has no idea. And so the reality is this plays out in offices and in marriages and in friendships all across the land. People begin to speak, oh, this is what I'm saying, this is what the person's gonna hear, because obviously I already know what I'm gonna say, and so I'm saying it, and the person, they are so sharp, they're gonna get this. And the listener comes into that experience with so many different biases, so many maybe different experiences throughout the day that are leading into that moment, and they don't hear what happens from the moment they start speaking to the moment it hits the ears of the listener 
there's a miscommunication or a loss in translation. Here's the truth, right? We all know this. We've experienced it. If you're married, you experience it often. When you say something, and then your spouse responds, and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you responding that way? I didn't mean it that way. I said it like this. And your spouse responds, no, no, no. You said it like this, right? And, and you're like, no, no, lost in translation. See, in my head, the song was going this way. But what the hearer heard was totally different. And it wasn't the same song. And it wasn't the same rhythm. And, and the truth is that this plays out, why? Because listening's actually really hard. Listening actually takes effort and energy to not just hear the words, but to hear the tone, to hear the rhythm, to hear the heart behind it, and that to tune in and to be a person who's listening takes a lot of effort and energy. Listening does not happen by default. It happens by design and determination. You have to determine that I'm going to truly try to hear what you're actually saying. Remember Mary and Martha in the Bible, Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10, so Jesus is traveling, right, with his disciples, shows up in this town, and Martha invites them in to stay, and she's cooking dinner, and she's running around all crazy, like, trying to prepare everything. And Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening. And Martha is bothered by this. And she says to Jesus, hey, could you make my sister help me? Like, seriously, we got a lot going on here. And Jesus responds, she has chosen what's best, and it's not going to be taken from her. And we can look at that story and say, okay, this is about doers, and this is about people who just want to be with. And listen, it's not wrong to be a doer. In fact, my hunch is most of you are. That you like to get things accomplished and get things done. But if we don't also put effort and energy into just being with, then there's so much we actually miss because we're busy just doing. We're busy trying to solve things. So it's early on uh, in our marriage, right? And I'm thinking I'm a pretty good husband. and, And so my wife comes home from a rough day at work and we're six, seven months into this thing and we're in our little tiny apartment and She's kind of pouring out her heart a little bit about this ordeal that happened at work and what she should do the next day. And, and she's about halfway through a story, and, and I just, I, being the good husband, trying to fix things for her, I, I got the solution. And so I, I paused her, and I said, babe, this is what you need to do tomorrow. Like, you just need to go back and do this, and, and then this, and this, and everything is going to work out great. And then she got real quiet. And it wasn't like, you know sometimes when the kids are playing and it gets quiet and you're like, oh, peace, right? It wasn't like that. It got real quiet, like eerie quiet. Like, I'm new at this and, and I'm recognizing in this moment, this, this ain't right. And so I'm, I'm frustrated now because I just solved your problem. Because I'm a fixer. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to fix it. 
and I took a walk around our apartment complex and I came back and about halfway through the walk, it's like the Lord was saying, hey, uh, you're dumb. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning that. Um, how come you don't listen? And I remember going back and being like, uh, could you start your story over? I just want to listen. 26 years later, listen, I'm still learning that lesson. I wish I was better. I think I'm a little bit better. But I still got a long way to go. Because listening is like doing squats. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I'd rather eat a Cinnabon. I'd rather talk. But I think that's the wrestling match here. I think that's the challenge, is to say, how do we get better at listening? Mary was showing, here's what mattered. It wasn't that you shouldn't do things. It's not that at all. The point is that maybe there's something deeper here. Attentive listening takes focus. It takes being attentive and fully present, active in listening. Do you ever struggle with being like fully present somewhere? That is so me. I've gotten better. But there are so many times where I'm physically there, but I'm mentally somewhere else, trying to solve something, trying to think of something. And to be attentive means I'm here. I'm fully here. I wrote this. Truly listening isn't just a positioning of ourselves to hear the words from someone. It's a posturing of our hearts to really lean into them as a person and to hear their heart beyond the words. That to, for us to, to get to a place where we're listening to learn, not just listening, because there's a difference. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, wrote about the ministry of listening to Christians. He said this, Christians forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They often do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking where they should be listening. We can no longer listen to this brother or this sister and we will soon no longer be listening to God. We will be doing nothing but practicing uh, or kind of prattling in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life and the end and there is nothing left than just spiritual chatter. This calling to us to say, maybe the, the ministry of listening needs to matter more in my home, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my relationships. What if the church, <laughs> what if the church actually got, became known as those who listen versus those who have a lot to say and those who yell? What if the church actually got known as a place, a people, that began to listen, to learn, choose to listen first. It's how you build trust and respect in relationships. You're, you're saying, I respect how you think and how you feel. It's important to me to listen first. When I regularly and skillfully do that, I stay in touch with that person's reality. Uh, another key, listen to learn, serve to honor. Serve to honor the other person. In a culture that intuitively trains us to think about ourselves first and foremost, the scripture says, flip the script. 
It's not about self-focus. It's about being other-focused. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, one of the most beautiful passages in the scriptures that speak about this idea uh, of how do you find this encouragement to speak, uh, to kind of serve, to honor others. Paul kind of lays it out. We see in the life of Jesus him displaying this all over the place, crossing the street, to meet with others, crossing boundaries, to be with others. And here's how Paul starts. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if you have tenderness and compassion from God, meaning if Jesus has made any kind of dent in your life, then make my joy by, uh, complete by being like-minded. Like-minded with who? Like-minded with the people that you're like-minded with? With your tribe? No, no. Like-minded with Jesus with who he is and what he's like. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, verse three says. In other words, don't be so self-focused. Don't, you don't like it when you, others you encounter are like that, where they're always about, I'm the best, me first, what's in it for me, and that kind of attitude as they approach life. You want it to be different. The fifth century Bishop Augustine said, the essence of sin is this incurvitus in sea. This idea of, of things that curve in upon myself, that I, I think about my feelings, my opinions, my needs, my position, me, 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 me. That's where sin loves to thrive. But it's about curving out your life to be others focused, like we see with Jesus. Christians know we have a glorious heaven. We've been chosen by the Savior of the world and handpicked to be part of his family. We've won the paradise powerball, if you will. We have an identity and a security that is unimpeachable and unshakable. We don't have to try to get people to focus on you. The creator of the heavens and the earth focused on you. You're good. And now that begins to liberate you, begins to free you to be a person that isn't focused on just self, but begins to be other-focused kind of person. Clark Miller says this, because of Christ, I've retired from myself. I've gotten off the ego ladder, and now I'm just a servant. Have the same mindset of Jesus. Begin to curve your life outward. Verse three and four, Philippians chapter two, uh, the word rather is there. If you have a pen, circle it, because that's the flip the script moment. If you have any encouragement from Christ, if he's made any kind of dent in your life, uh, don't be like this, rather you be like this, he says. In humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. You matter. Don't think less about yourself, just think of yourself less. The idea that I can focus on others and your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Begin to use your position and your privilege and your power to put the focus on others and not just yourself. In our culture, we use position and power and privilege to put the focus on me. That's what it means to succeed, right? But in the kingdom, it's flipped the script. It, it, no, no, no. You leverage your power and position and privilege now to put the focus on others and to give your life away. A mother was preparing pancake breakfast for her little boys, Kevin and Ryan. The boys are arguing one to another of who's gonna get the first pancake. Mom kind of saw this as a perfect, teachable moment, and she said, boys, listen, if Jesus was here in our kitchen, he would say, I want my brother 
to have the first pancake. Silence kind of fell over the kitchen. Five-year-old Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, okay, you be Jesus. Where the rubber meets the road in real life decisions, that's where it becomes challenging to put others first. Because we want it to be about us. So five quick rules for growing a servant kind of heart um, in your marriage, maybe. And you can adapt these to your friendships. Uh, serve your spouse's needs in spite of what you need or want. Because they're probably different than yours. That's okay. Serve to honor. Enjoy serving your spouse and do it with a joyful attitude. Stop keeping score. You don't need to carry around a scorecard. You just need to serve. That's how you honor. Protect the time and energy necessary to serve your spouse. Meaning, don't give all your time and energy away to other things that you only have leftovers for at home. That's really easy to do, isn't it? Believe that you'll be blessed as you serve. In fact, I often tell couples that we're going through counseling with is make it your goal to outserve your spouse. Make that your goal. Because here's how it works. If I choose to outserve Amy and Amy chooses to outserve me, guess who wins in that kind of marriage? We both do. See, the greatest marriages on earth are two servants who are committed in love to outserve each other. The worst kind of marriages are two selfish people who talk about love, but the reality is they just love themselves. And so the challenge is, okay, how do we grow this idea of pursuing love in your friendships, your relationships, in your marriage? Well. Learn to listen, or listen to learn, and serve to honor in very practical ways. We see this in the life of Jesus. And so as we wrap up in a worship song and, and kind of linger into that, it just invites you to see how Jesus did this for you. That he wanted to listen. And, and so he didn't stand far away and shout instructions of how you could get to him. He actually came. And the rest of Philippians chapter two, if you just read through verses one through 11, it begins to show you and just put on display, Here, here's how the creator of the heavens and the earth put on the, the life and the body of a servant. And he came for you and for me, for others. He had every right to make it about himself. Why? Because he created everything. If you're the creator of everything, you can make it about you, but he didn't. He modeled what I think the kind of love he wants to see in your marriage and your friendships and my marriage and my friendships. And so Jesus, uh, you're the one we turn to to kind of point to this reality of, of what love really looks like and, and how do we live out this law of pursuit. We, we stand and rest in the reality that you pursued us first. You didn't holler and try to get our attention for us to come in your direction. You came all the way in our direction first. You were others focused, which means you were focused on me, on each one of us here. 
And so, Father, would you grow that kind of love in the marriages represented in this room, those watching online? Would you grow that kind of love in the friendships that we have, that we'd work at it? That we'd kind of listen in order to learn, not just hear. That we'd serve to honor the others above ourselves. Would you let that begin to have a ripple effect in every relationship we have? Would you let that begin to have a ripple effect in our community in which we live, that, that the church begins to live this out in practical ways? And so as we worship you, Holy Spirit, would you stir our hearts in a way that reminds us that this is the kind of love you have for us, this pursuing kind of love, this reckless kind of love, And would you instill within us practical steps we could take this week to begin to live that out more in our marriage, in our friendships, in our relationships that we have. We give you this time. Would you stir our hearts afresh and anew?
sing it out. fails, never gives up, never runs out. It's always a pursuing kind of love. And uh, may that begin to mark more and more of your friendships and your marriage and your relationships, that pursuing kind of love that persists as intentional. Learn as serving to honor. And you'll be blessed as you give your life to that. So thanks again for being here uh, in the room. Thanks for tuning in uh, for those of you online. Uh, thank you for those of you who partner with us. We always say it takes real money to do real ministry, and many people do that uh, through giving on our app. Uh, we have giving boxes here if you're in the house, and uh, we appreciate you being partners with us and doing ministry and everything we got going on. We do have some e-groups because we care. You've been made to be in relationship with others, and so we've got uh, brand new e-groups that are starting, some that are starting next month. Uh, in fact, uh, Mark and Margo with one of those on the east side. Uh, Colleen and Jake are doing another one on the east side. Uh, we've got some in the northwest, some central. And so if, if that's something that you'd like to be connected to, we'd love to find out how to connect you. If you're online, just email us at info at elementcitychurch.org. We'll get back in touch with you here. You can sign up in the foyer. Uh, and one other of those places for ladies, uh, we have a women's Bible study group that's starting here in March. And Diane over here is going to be helping lead that. And so, Diane, I'm going to dismiss you because uh, she's going to be out in the foyer. If you're interested, in that. It's going to be Wednesday nights here on campus uh, from 6 to 7.30, starting up soon. So if you're interested, stop by, see Diane, um, and we'll get you kind of caught up with all of that. So uh, can I just pray a blessing over us as we go? So Father, we lift all of our marriages, relationships, friendships to you. We thank you that we are grounded and rooted in the truth that you are a God who pursues us. And may you equip us to be people who pursue others relationally and who invest intentionally and with great determination that we serve to honor them and that we listen to truly learn and, and, and to be good listeners, that we might open up conversations to talk about you. 
So Jesus, we love you. Uh, All this is for you, and we pray your absolute best blessing over those that are tuning in, those here as we go throughout our week to be the church now. We gather as the church, but now we scatter to be the church in the community that you love here in this beautiful city of Tucson. Would you go with us as we go? We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Bless you. See you next week.